Welcome to Order of Operations, where you will hear all about franchising, small business operations, leadership, and content submitted by you. I'm your host, Nikki Atwood. And I'm Libby Larsing. Welcome to Episode 10, Internal Promotions. I'm very excited to announce that we have a mutual friend joining us today, Jody Juice Burns from the Khalil team. We'll be going through what the internal promotional track looks like in all of our organizations, how to develop a career path, and how to set up internal promotions for success. So to wrap up this series, we're going to get back to sharing our frogs. What was yours, Libby? Honestly, I'm incredibly bored right now. We are having to spend our PPP funds, and so the workload is a lot less. And I've been trying to go through my rainy day to-do list and schedule out content for the foreseeable future, so I can at least have one less thing to worry about whenever things do pick up. On a personal note, I need to start exercising again, and so I keep having to have a pep talk with myself. And I keep saying that it's either going to be one day or I can make today day one. Um, but so far, I'm on day zero of exercising. <laughs> but we do have something really special for this episode because Jody is joining us early, and she's going to share her frog. Welcome, Jody. Well, thanks for having me. Um, my frog this week was we, as a company, um, Khalil team, is talking about changing our program structure and pricing. And that was my frog to this week is trying to get through that meeting and all of us agreeing on what that new pricing and program was going to look like. And what about you, Nikki? Thanks, Jody. Uh, mine was tough. I um, have a regular Friday meeting with uh, two of my direct reports. Um, so we've talked about them a lot. Ben and Jim are district managers. And we just have a lot of like internal growth going on with the company, but not like business size, more like how we're managing this like really tumultuous time. And I really needed to ask them for feedback for me and then also give them permission to call me out if I was not doing something that was in the best interest. Um, Cause I am very task oriented. And so I told them that they need to let me know if I'm focusing on the task and not the goal. And so I had to start that conversation and prepare myself to get feedback, which is not super easy to do, but I did it and now I can breathe a little easier. <laughs> So for this episode, I think, Jody, you are going to do a good introduction of yourself just as we go through some of our questions. Okay. And so first, let's start with just some easy questions. Can you give us your job title and what does your day look like? All right. So I have two titles. I'm Director of Education for all of the Khalil Ventures, 30-some um, centers. I don't even know the number today. And I'm an area manager for the Midwest, which is three centers, two in Kentucky and one in Alabama. Soon to be hopefully three in Kentucky. We're looking to sign a lease and open up a third one here in Louisville. That's what we're hoping for. Um, my day looks like um, morning, I start and end with education. I do binders. I do binder updates for about 50% of the company. Um, so that's what the majority of my day is. In the middle part of the day, I am floating between my two centers here in Louisville because I cannot travel to Alabama right now. And I'm developing a CMIT. So I'm spending a lot of time with her. So that's mainly what my day is this been for the last month and a half. Nice. So Nikki went through her internal promotion track in episode one. 
And then Jody, you were an internal promotion, right? Can you take us through your journey? Yeah, I started in March slash April of 2013 as an instructor. Um, but during my interview, Mo mentioned something about possibly promoting me up into another position if I was willing to give up my teaching job and do this full time. Um, so that's what I did. I learned the instructor position start to finish. Um, I was an instructor for three months, then sort of like a lead instructor for about a month. And then all of a sudden Mo said, I'm buying a new center here. If you're going to take it, take it. So I quit my teaching job and signed my contract with Mo first week of August of 2013. And I was there until 2017 when an area manager position opened up for the Louisville area. It's different for everyone in our company that has been with us a long time. But now I feel like we have a pretty set path. So you want me to nice. just keep going on that? I can keep going or you guys can ask. <laughs> yeah, I do want to hear more about what the typical path for your team looks like, Jody. Okay, so usually um, we sometimes hire for ACMs and then we promote to center managers and we actually have done that and we've had one move to an area manager. So usually they start as in a leadership role. We hire from outside and we move up that way. That's the, been the role, but I think we're moving more towards starting with the ground up. And it's kind of nice when you find that, I call it that pink and silver unicorn that you know right away when you interview them as an instructor, there's something special, but you don't know if this is what they really wanna do. Um, and you just kind of see it as they interact with the kids and then you talk with them more and more and we move them on to ACM training. Um, anybody can really do our ACM trainings, a lot of admin. So I've had two of them in the past year. So they went on to ACM training, which is more the admin, the sales, the marketing, things like that. And if they become proficient at that, and finish their training and if there's a space for them we promote them to a center manager and the center manager at St. Matthew's Christian started as an instructor moved to an ACM was at an ACM for about six months and then was promoted in December to be my center manager so so there's a couple different paths for us nice I feel like we need to pause and explain some of the vocabulary you're using because I All know right. ACM is unique for the Khalil team oh yeah you <laughs> ACM is an assistant center manager. We go by center managers, not center directors. So our ACMs are assistant center managers. Um, they do almost anything that a center manager does. They're just not in control of the center. They're the ones that are going to run it when that person's not there. LI, lead instructors. You had a CMIT? Oh, center manager in training. So I have one of those right now, a center manager in training. That's usually when we hire from outside. She was a um, teacher, had done some social media stuff for a small company and was ready to get back into the workforce. So we hired her on as a center manager in training. So I'm used to, I'm so used to those acronyms. I think everybody knows them. So, but there's a couple different paths. Um, we're trying to do more internal promotions because I think the best center managers have been instructors. I really do. I think once you've seen the job from every vantage point it makes you a, a more empathetic person too to your instructors like oh I remember what that was like nice so Libby what does that look like for your organization do you have a similar career path yeah ours is pretty much like a one-way up vertical so we haven't necessarily diversified the same way that the Khalil team and the Temple team have just because we don't have the volume of centers to need to have 
super specific niche jobs like a director of recruitment or a director of education and that kind of thing. So ours is pretty much like a one-way straight line. So it's instructor, lead instructor. You can honestly like tap out at the lead instructor level because I don't think just because you're our best instructor or you're the best at maintaining the instructional floor doesn't necessarily make you a great ACD. So I, I still go with directors. We have assistant center directors um, in comparison to the ACM that Jody just mentioned. And then honestly, they can also tap out at ACD because I might not think that you're ready to run a center and you can hang out at that level for a couple of years and you may never move up if I can't see you being the person that I want being the face of that business. But then center director is above that. We've only ever had one regional director and then Young Gun kind of floats in that capacity. So you guys met Young Gun two episodes ago and Young Gun does a lot of training with our center directors because we think it's a more organic personal training whenever it's someone who does have that job and can answer your questions because they do it on a daily basis. So Young Gun kind of works in a regional capacity, but we don't necessarily have a regional director at this time, just because me, Karen, and Evan kind of do that for our regions in San Diego, Phoenix, and Texas. So that's ours. What about at Team Temple? You guys diversify a little bit more than I do. We do, and what's interesting is we're getting a lot of people looking to join that, like we call it the support team, and they're looking to join the support team, and this is where I start to get the sense that a lot of my team members don't really understand business or aren't as well-versed in business because the support team is a fixed cost, and we are not in a position to add any sort of fixed cost right now. So there's a lot of people looking for like, oh, well, like, do you need this role and do you need this role? And so the answer is no, but like eventually we could. So it's mostly just the vertical um, of like, you could start an instructor and then from instructor, you go to team captain. So we stopped using lead instructors. There was just too big of a mentality of like, the, a center had to have one lead instructor. Like, no, you can have lots of people help you you can have multiple captains on the team and you have like one who's in charge for that game or like that session so just some more sports analogies just to jump in on what you're saying about having multiple leads for us in the lossing organization we have people who like qualify to be lead instructors but since we were having that same issue of like i'm the one and only boss and then that person wouldn't work a shift one day and it's like okay great now we don't have a lead instructor and there isn't someone to manage an instructional staff and we might have like 12 or 15 instructors on at one time because that's the volume that our centers handle so we just ended up getting like gold bar name tags that say lead and we can have multiple people who are capable of being a lead instructor on any given day but if you don't have the gold name tag that says lead you are not the lead instructor that day nice there you go see that's a, a way where you can also develop more in case that lead instructor or that team captain leaves um, and we do have Another one, which we've just started to use depending on like the volume of the center and it's an education coordinator. So it's really a blend between that lead instructor slash team captain and assistant center director because it's mostly focused on education, but we wanna see how they start to work with the parents. So the education coordinator is a parent facing role. And so we can develop that customer service. Then it goes to um, assistant center director and then center director um, and then now through COVID, um, 
we have a couple people that are running multiple centers. And so it's a little bit of that multi-unit taste out of necessity, but it's starting to get me thinking of like, what else could we do to then have like district manager in training? So there could be more coming. I'm not sure yet though. And I know my team listens to this. So I like, this is like a little <laughs> nugget of an idea. <laughs> I need that caveat in there. Yeah, we kind of do the same thing. If you can handle a couple centers, then maybe you're ready for an area manager role in training. And so that's kind of how the one that made her way up started. She handled two centers well, and then they decided to give her those two centers and anything else in that area that pops up. So. Nice. So how about when you like first started with Mathnasium, Jody? Like how does a career path really start to emerge? That's, I started way back with number three with Mo, so it was very small at the time. So the only career path I knew at that time was, am I going to become the center director? At that time, the center director, because um, that's what was introduced to me, and I didn't know if I wanted it. At that point, you know, I was number three. We didn't have area managers. We didn't have anything beyond. So I thought that the end of my career path was, so when I became the center manager or center director in the fall of 2013, I thought, okay, this is where I'm going to stay, you know, and then slowly by 2017, probably Amy was probably our first area manager for the South Florida area. And then by mid 2017, they started emerging. And that was, that was when I had to decide if that's what I wanted to do. That's so interesting. Cause you're name dropping all these people that I know from our MCO meetings, cause you all attend them. And I had no idea that all of these girls have been in your organization for so long. Well, and I also didn't know in 2013, he only had three. He scaled up that much in seven years. In 2013, he opened in January, Dr. Phillips, and in the fall, Winter Park. So by the end of 2013, we had four, I believe. That's a fast scale up from there, though. Wow. Yeah, the first one to two was fast. The second from, the, from two to three took a little while. And then he hit South Florida and Pembroke Pines was the next one. And then it was all on. It was on. So. Dang. Okay. So, Jody, what do you see as some sort of ways to get a career path started? Like, let's say you're a single center organization or as a center director, you want to start creating opportunities for your team at just one unit. How would you start to develop a career path? I would start by talking to the instructors or whoever it is to see if they're willing to take on more. And then it starts with training and finding what they're good at. When I found, when I talked to Christian and I knew he was working on his master's and I knew money was tight and I started offering him more hours if he was willing to learn how to do the admin, you know, he wanted to learn about education. So it's really about communication first, I think, is talk to your staff, see what they want, see what they're good at and see if that matches what you need. Um, or finding a career path that matches what they need in a single center. Um, but Christian definitely, he was so, he was that rare unicorn that allowed, that everyone liked young, old boys, girls that you can't let go of. So I was like, okay, I got to hold on to this one. So I kind of did what I needed to do is find him a career path. Cause at the time I already had an ACM, but she ended up quitting. So it kind of opened up some, a career path for him. So yeah communication find out if they're I didn't know if he wanted to stay and then when I offered it to him he's like yeah I'd love to stay what I call drink the Kool-Aid he had drank the Kool-Aid and um so I think I have a lifer now 
So nice. Libby, what did you or your family do right when you were first starting to start any sort of path for your team? Like one thing that I, I hear and that like we went through as a team is like, when do you start like investing in that bench? Like when did you decide that like an ACD wasn't really necessary to run the center, but was necessary to be sure you had some sort of leadership ready for the next opportunity? So Steve Lossing is from Corporate America and in his world, you always need a bench. There's never a time that you don't need a bench. So from our second month of being open and operating our initial location, Mathnesium Forest Ranch, we have always had a center director. We also have always had the mindset that we're going to have multiple units and multiple franchises. Cause again, my family operates multiple franchise businesses. So it really wasn't an option for us to not have a bench because we can't continue to grow and open new units. If, we're being tied down to one location. So we always have a center director. We always have an ACD. My dad always wants to know who the next ACD is. And so in his eyes, I, as our regional director in Phoenix, am failing. If I don't have a bench and I can't tell him like what my four layer deep plan is as to like who's getting moved up next, because I know I just promoted two of our ACDs to center director this past month. And then I lost an ACD. And then my dad was like, okay, great. So who's next? And I wasn't able to answer that for one location. And I got in like deep shit with him because I need to always know who's next. So that's what it is for us. And if you're not aspiring to be a high volume owner, I still think it's incredibly important to know who's next on your bench and start identifying that talent. Because while it's great to have a bunch of instructors, you do need like that 51 percenter that I mentioned in earlier episodes, who has the potential to be developed into something more because that's going to allow you flexibility to have, like, I think a lot of people get into business ownership because they want certain flexibilities in their lifestyle. And if you don't have someone to manage your business or at least like hold the steering wheel straight while you take a day or go on a vacation or something, you're, you're screwing yourself over. That vacation's super important. I feel like when I was a center director, it was really, really hard to take time off. So like when I was then promoted to my role, I pushed really hard to be like, we've got to make time off easier. Like we have to, like, it's impossible right now. And like, we, we can't have that continue. So some of it is to allow for uh, more job satisfaction with the different layers of the management team. And then some of it is also to say like, okay, they're gone for a week. Like you're in charge. Let's see how it goes. So that way you have that, that leadership and that talent ready to take over and also just continuously keep raising the bar. Cause if someone is not performing, you have somebody ready and who's chomping at the bit to take over. So like, you can't really sit back and can't really settle on your heels because there's somebody there who's ready. And I don't think it has to be a big expensive thing. I don't think just because you're training someone to be ready doesn't mean you have to pay them for that next title if they don't have the title yet. Yeah. And I, that's internal promotions. I think that's a lot easier hiring from outside. It's not. So when we hire from outside, we are paying them that almost that title already. Um, but internal, we don't give them that raise until we're ready to move them up. So. 
So then to prep for this episode, I was doing some research and one of the first articles that came up was about how internal promotions fail. And this was really interesting because I feel like we've only been looking at the positives of internal promotions. And like, I personally just look at the positives as well. And like, it's great how the individual already knows you, you can see them work. They already know your organization and your culture. But Jody, have you found that all internal promotions are successful? No, I had an internal promotion and two weeks afterwards he quit to become a teacher and I felt totally betrayed. You know, so I think there's a lot of emotion that is tied to internal promotions because you know them so well. Or if they don't work out and you have to let them go or demote them, I think that's very hard too. Because it's a failure, like I felt like it was a failure on my end, I did something wrong. Um, so yeah, there's some bad things, especially if we have to let them go or demote them or they quit on you and then you're like feeling betrayed. How about you, Libby? What have you seen? I've seen it go both ways because all of our center directors in San Diego, so we have four locations in San Diego, all four went instructor, lead instructor, ACD, CD, different speeds at which they did the promotional track, but all four center directors have done every position from the ground up in their organization. And they're incredibly effective because they've seen all the roles and they have a really good way of managing it all. But I've also seen an unnecessarily large percentage of my internal promotions fail, not at the center director level because I am highly protective of that seat, but I've seen people like change seats on the bus and it just completely did not work out. So for example, in Mathnasium, uh, I think the most simple, straightforward promotion is the instructor to lead instructor and then the lead instructor to ACD. But just because you're the best instructor on my staff and the kids love you and you're highly effective and you take good notes on their workout plans, um, those responsibilities are not compatible to the responsibility of an ACD where you need to be good at sales and you need to be good at parent communication, on the phone, via email, doing parent consults. So it's a really tough conversation that we've had to have a lot more frequently in our organization that just because we do love you in the position that you're in currently, we don't foresee you being successful. And we'd rather salvage the relationship upfront by not promoting you, finding other ways to satisfy whatever you're looking for. So find other ways to give you more responsibility on the education front, give you more hours, give you maybe a little bit of a bump financially. But at the end of the day, I don't want to put someone in a position that they're not going to be successful in, especially if it's a position that traditionally only has one person there. Like I know a huge, like awkward thing I had to deal with at our Queen Creek location was that we had an ACD who was never going to move up. I frankly didn't even want them in ACD, but my parents are really big on avoiding demoting people. But I had to hire a second ACD because I knew my CD was leaving and I wasn't going to give the first ACD the promotion. And it was just so uncomfortable for everyone knowing that I had two ACDs when I only really needed one and that I was obviously going to promote the external hire versus the internal hire. So I don't like putting people into positions that like, if I don't see you continuing to climb the ladder, I'm not going to like set you up on that track. What about Team Temple, Nikki? Well, we have also seen the like the good and the bad. And 
I feel like as I'm like thinking through this and all these podcast episodes just make me very introspective and I feel like there's um, more that we could do to avoid the bad and you can tell how much I complain about it because my first thought I, as I was getting ready for this was to um, quote my husband who likes to tell me all the time that people are promoted to the level of their incompetence. And I always thought that was something that he just came up with, but it turns out he heard it somewhere and it's like a common phrase. And I did some digging and it turns out that it's actually a theory in management called the Peter Principle, which was published in the 60s and it didn't have any data to back it up. It kept coming true though, and in 2018, the University of Minnesota showed through a seven-year study of over 53,000 salespeople that the principle was real. So we have had a lot of people shine in like the lead instructor role, and we put them into the ACD role, and then it's like, oh wow, this is not a good fit. And Libby, we do demote. We do remove people from those positions. And so we've also had it go from like ACDs that are just like know all the right answers to all the questions and are like really chomping at the bit and like, and they talk about how like if they were center director, this is what they would do. And then if we put them in that role and it does not go very well. So Jody, I internalize a lot of that too of like, oh, what could I have done differently? What what did I do wrong? So Jody, what, what are some of the things that you found that help you beat the statistics and set your internal promotions up for success? There's a word called delegate that I'm not very good at. When I promote someone to an ACM and if I'm in that center, I try to step back and let them run the center. I'm like, okay, today I'm just an instructor so that they get the idea of what a day looks like because they walk in at 11 o'clock and I've already been working for two hours so they don't see the whole day. Cause I think that's what my, I go home sometimes at five o'clock and my instructor's like, well, she's going home early. I've been there since eight and I'll probably keep working until 10. So I want them to keep understand what the whole thing looks like. And I was lucky because we had bought some centers that didn't have any, a center manager. So Mo took my ACM for two weeks at a time and had him, flew him to Texas and he actually got to run the center for two weeks, twice. And it was amazing for him. He got to see it from morning till night, it was his center, getting signups, dealing with terms, and then I came back and then we had our talk, but not everybody has that opportunity. So you gotta step back and let them take on the role while you're still there with, with training wheels, I guess, and say, okay, you've had a little bite, now I'm going on vacation and now it's yours for a week, and see how they do. If you call you every three minutes, then we have an issue, you know? Um, but if they call you at the end of the night with a good summary, then we're moving in the right direction. Okay, awesome. Nikki, did you have anything to add to how you set up your internal promotions for success? I've been thinking about more of what we could do. So I want to do a better like a ACD to CD orientation. It feels funny to do an orientation for an internal promotion, but just a like it's almost like a, this is the center you're taking over. This is what it looks like. Now, what are some of your thoughts of like how to make it successful? And like, are you going off in the right track of like what it needs? Um, are you prioritizing the right things and like really set them up to just run in the right direction? So an internal promotion reorientation, I think is something that would be good. 
we are working to just have the bench full. So be able to do really tough interviews for when people go from ACD to CD and be able to do a bunch of uh, interviews with their supervisors and get a really full picture of like, okay, how will they do? Is this the right fit? And then have a ton of people to choose from. Libby, you said you're protective of that CD role. What are some ways that you make sure the right person's in the role? I'm incredibly protective and I make them work their ass off for that promotion. And I'm very blunt with the fact that I will happily run the center for the rest of time and I will not hand over the keys until I'm very confident that you will do it to my caliber and my expectations. So you guys got to meet Samantha, who's my brand new, her promotion technically doesn't even take effect until July 1st. So by the time you guys are listening to this, this is Samantha's last day as ACD and tomorrow she will be our center director. Um, but she has shadowed me, has listened to me really, really harshly criticize different KPIs. And she practices and asks really smart questions and she's earning her promotion from center director or from ACD to center director. So how do I do that in a more like structured way? We have internal systems in the lossing organization with different reportings for managing student progress, managing accounts, managing attendance, managing payroll. We have all these internal systems. And so they spend a good month working with those systems and then kind of judging their predecessor on how well they perform to that. So how do you teach them to analyze the KPIs? We have a bunch of external spreadsheets where we export data from Radius and then it goes into a super coded out spreadsheet that one of our other center directors built for all of our organization and then it color codes their information for them and it's it really is a really great scorecard of on a scale of like lime green to bright red where where do your numbers fall and you can compare it to yourself over time you can compare it to yourself compared to your region so compared to the other phoenix centers compared to the other san diego centers both within our organization. And then a lot of the times I get KPI data from our franchise business consultants for our market at large. So I don't only want you keeping a score of yourself against yourself, yourself against your lossing peers. I want you also keeping a score against your peers in your like greater territorial market. And so it's all color coded for them. So that way they know where they land. And I'm really big on celebrating people when they're successful. And so then people are kind of chasing this like dangling carrot of like, clearly Libby's paying attention. Clearly Karen's paying attention. I want to be the person that's celebrated in the group me for having really outstanding numbers and really outstanding performance. And I want to see my spreadsheet turn to full green, which is not a reasonable expectation of mine, but it goes back to target 83 where I'm really big on them keeping track of all of the different things that it takes to be a really successful like million dollar business. And I don't lose sight of those things and nor do our spreadsheets. So if you have a lot of red on your spreadsheet, you know where you need to focus your time and energy and you know how to fix the numbers because if your students aren't making progress, either you didn't assess them correctly or your instructors aren't pushing them enough or you're not calling the parent enough to make sure that the kid is attending frequently enough. So there's easy ways, um, Nikki talked about it in an early episode, 
there's leading and lagging indicators for your KPI mm -hmm. data. And so we try and train our teams on what the leading and lagging indicators are going to be. So that way they can stay on top of their stuff and be very successful. We do table of data. So that's where all our KPIs are. And I, it's up, ours looks different now, but it was literally a tab on my thing. And now I know what I'm going to spend this next week on with Liz is we're going to go over our table of data looks different now, but we're going to go over old table of data and almost do an error analysis. Let's look at this center. What's been going on? Can you analyze what's been happening? Because we have year over year, three months, month over month, current month. By looking at new terms, things like that, I can read it, but I'm going to spend some time on it this week with her because I think that's important. I just never knew how to really do it. So error analysis almost is what you were saying by looking at someone's data and say, hey, how can we write this ship or what do they do wrong or where do they need to focus? And that's what I want her to look at. So that's a good point that I don't think is in any of our training is here's the table of data. They say what's on it, but not how to analyze it. And I think that's where we need to dig in and do that to make them successful because looking at our table of data is intimidating. There's 35 centers on it and there's pages of stuff. So spending some time on it is important. So I know where I'm gonna be spending my week this week is on table of data with Liz. Sometimes we even do that as like part of the application process from ACD to CD. So like do a case study, like what does this center need, the center you're applying for? Like what's your Great. 60 day action plan? This it's good. So I'm learning, so this is good. <laughs> So Jody, the way that we like to wrap up our interviews and transition in the problems of the week is to ask if you have any questions for us. Okay, talking about internal promotions, sometimes you are acquiring a center and there's already staff there. How do you deal with that when they're not the right person for the job? Nikki. I am infamously known as the ax. <laughs> I am totally, I am very confident in firing people. I, I fire with bravado. <laughs> in my other franchise, Athanasium, I fired like eight people in one week going into a convention. And I showed up at the convention and that was like my introduction from my business consultant in that space. He introduced me to every other person in that room as the person who fired eight people the week prior. So um, I, Karen... So she doesn't like to overturn the apple cart. So they typically get to keep their position for six to eight weeks while I That's see if I can remedy them and get them onto team lossing. But typically they're pretty set in their ways and they're kind of a shit hire to begin with because a lot of people who are selling their business just put anyone in the center director chair to say, oh, it's a turnkey business with the center director and their center director is trash. And it's not that person's fault. It was they... They were a pawn in someone's greater scheme, but at the end of the day, I can't have them continue to run a business. So I do six to eight weeks with them. I pump them for what information I need from them. I try and, you know, facilitate the transition of relationships of the parents and the instructors and the students. But at the end of the day, if they're a crap ACD or a crap CD, they don't get to stay. Right. Similar. We try to incorporate them too. What about you, Nikki? That's I mean, we're similar in some ways, but so different in others. I have learned from James that you should like hold your cards close to your chest. And so through any resale, our goal is to meet the leadership 
and not make any sort of assumption of like what role they are going to play in our organization. And so it's a lot of just like, let's get to know you. Like, can you come visit one of our centers? Like, let's have a couple conversations. And then you can start to steer the conversation of like, okay, well, this is how our organization works. And the way that this, the way that you fit really well is through an assistant center director or like you are going to be the center director and we're really excited for you to like lead this and lead this change. So it, you do kind of like a feeling out and like a super informal interview and maybe the center director really needs to be the assistant center director and you bring one of your like current team members in or maybe there is a great person there and they just really haven't been given the tools to be successful and you just really need to train them and then they're, they'll be fine and they'll be great. And so it's a, have as many conversations as the current owner will allow you to have and see what you can do to get in there and talk to the staff really unassumingly. Cause I know a lot of times like, people don't want to let any sort of interaction happen until the ink's dried on the sale, but be really kind and see what sort of conversations you can have. I want to toss in like one more thing that's kind of along these lines. Um, so not a CD I inherited, but a CD that I was too ambitious to take from another really great ownership team. We had a center director that came from another one of the Big Ten portfolios, and while they were incredible, glowing recommendations from every person that they've worked with in that organization, at the end of the day, they weren't a cultural fit for the lossings. So just because someone is already, tra already trained up, they really are just ready to hop into that role and start doing great things, and they've been really effective at other learning centers, does not guarantee success within your organization or within a center, because I know I have super diverse personalities to each of my locations. I couldn't take our La Jolla center director and put them in Mesa because they would drown, whereas they are highly, highly, highly successful in the La Jolla territory. We do things similarly. And like, to your point, I couldn't move my center directors 15 minutes across town and have them be as successful as they are in the center they're in right now, personality wise. it's very different. Awesome. Do you want to stick around for prom of the week, Jody? You want to help us out? Sure. Oh my gosh, yay. Okay, Nikki, you know what our problem of the week is. As you grow, how do you keep your direction from getting watered down? Jody, you're area manager, and so like you have to give your center managers a direction, and they, they give their assistant center managers a direction, and they give their instructors a direction. And like maybe you're doing like a process update or maybe you're doing a um, like cultural shift and there needs to be like action towards a goal. So what are ways that you keep your message really strong and really solid and then also disseminate information effectively? We build a trainee forum and they all have to go through it and they're all getting the same message and practice points. So that's basically what we do. So basically Connect Ed was a trainee for us every summer going into summer it's all trainials so we use that high all the time like hey there's a trainial coming out make sure you guys go through it it's a refresher this isn't new or this one's new really pay attention and do it so we use trainial all the time 
all the time for that sort of thing to keep consistent messages because what one person understands from the conversation that someone else is completely different here the message is the same because they're going through the same instruction i know that's why karen has signed on to Trainual. It's something that she's wanted to do for a really long time because my business coach uses it. And Karen and I have gone to conferences and listened to their CEO speak. But then you mentioned it in whichever podcast, one of the ones during our employment series, Nikki brought it up. And my mom was like, that's enough. We're doing it. <laughs> we're, we're getting it and we're setting it up. And that's all I have to do for the rest of my day today is that Karen has me making Trainual like videos and quizzes for our team. Because you're right, it, it makes sure that people are receiving the message with your exact wording. I mentioned during our training episode that we have an employee passport. And in that employee passport, Karen has bullet points of the exact way that she would say it if she was like explaining a system or a process to you. So even if your center director is speaking to it, your passport in front of you has Karen's exact wording and it's over detailed because we want to make sure that you have received it and then heard it and then what you're hearing matches what you're receiving from us we went through a lot today so how to set up a career path what it looks like to have successful internal promotions how to do this at any scale really and then also how to continue the messaging and continue the training and then people accountable as you go. So this was a good episode, guys. Good job. That's it for episode 10, Internal Promotions, which also wraps up our first series. So thank you all for listening to Order of Operations. I'm your host, Nikki Atwood. And I'm Libby Lossing. As always, PIMDOS. There's a podcast every Monday. Download and subscribe. Bye, everyone.